Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal, and also an edition of a podcast episode of Mars Attacks with Victor. Victor, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Mark? Good, man. Thanks for joining me back on uh, Talking Metal. Uh, I know the last time you were on, we got a real great response, so we are doing uh, another episode here, which kind of helps me because, as a lot of you listeners know, John is... uh, very busy with stuff and it's sometimes kind of hard to get him on on the show and i know a lot of talking metal listeners are missing john but i do feel that uh it's it's great when we have victor join us and you really kind of uh bring something different to the table so again thanks for being on sure no problem it's always a pleasure to uh come on and you know lend my opinions or comments to the show Excellent. And I am here in New York City today in, uh, actually in, I came into work early. I'm in an edit room here at IFC recording this before my day starts. It's about 9.30 over here and Victor is over in Spain. And what's the time difference? Is it six hours, Victor? And now it's actually five hours because uh, we haven't done the spring forward yet. That, that will take place this weekend. Ah, I got you. Huh, interesting. Cool. And uh, you are doing a lot of great episodes with Mars Attacks. You had taken a break for a while, and then you yep. came back. What, has it been two new episodes hit recently, or was it three? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, we have the um, classic albums column focusing on uh, Slayer Seasons in the Abyss, and then we did another episode which featured Mitch LaFon um, from Brave Words fame, and he's now on uh, Pure gain audio and he's got a few podcasts of his own as well but he's doing this fundraiser called uh, a world with heroes it's a kiss tribute album sort of celebrating the 40th anniversary of kiss but at the same time what he's trying to do is um raise money for this um i guess in the states would be considered like a, a hospice facility uh this is where his father-in-law went right before passing away so 
they're very appreciative of the uh, attention that they received, and as a result, they wanted to raise some money for for this specific facility. Cool. And yeah, John and I actually mentioned this this uh, fundraiser tribute record on the one of the last episodes of Talking Metal, but we will again right. today have links up in today's show notes on talkingmetal.com where you can go and get involved with the fundraiser and, and give some money to Mitch's cause. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of great artists, big name artists, I might add, involved in this Kiss tribute. And Mitch, the little I know of him, he seems like like a good guy. I did, I've heard him numerous times on your podcast. I'm friends with him on Facebook. And I actually mm-hmm. watched like a, a YouTube show with him and like two other yeah. guys talking about mm-hmm. about Kiss, which uh, was kind of interesting. Now, is that is that called? Th- I think that's the three sides of the coin show or something because it was right. three different guys. Yeah. Mitch being one of them. Yeah, it's Mitch oh. Michael Branvold who used to be. Um, I guess he was one of the first people involved with Kiss Online, oh, apparently. Okay. And um, Tommy's the third guy. They always refer to him as the real estate guy. So, I mean, I don't know how, how true that is. I honestly haven't dug in to find out what Tommy actually does. But um, they have some interesting discussions. They had a, an episode recently where they interviewed Bruce Kulick, which was um, pretty funny. Because Mitch is a great guy, but he's sometimes really opinionated with certain topics and it's pretty funny hearing um excuse me bruce sort of uh put him in his place per se so ah, interesting it's interesting cool i'll have to check that yeah. out cool well kiss is alive and well we had uh tommy thayer on the uh the talking metal podcast here recently and and i was kind of excited to hear that maybe there'll be another kiss album down the road uh you know they've done sonic boom and monster all within the last three years two brand new records and it sounds like they might not stop there uh tommy didn't give a definite but he said that it's uh, it's a possibility that new music could come out of kiss uh, or new album could come out of kiss sometime in the future so uh, it would be i think you know they're obviously in the i'd say the twilight of their career having started right. 40 years ago but you know, there was a, a long kind of break where they didn't uh, didn't put out any new studio records, and I, I kind of think it would be cool for them to to go out, if you will, because let's face it, they're not going to be doing this another forty years. They've been doing this forty years right. already. The you know Simmons and Stanley into their sixties at this point. It'd be kind of cool if they gave us a bunch of new records before finally calling it a day. Uh, and I, you know. I think I, we were talking about this uh, at, at one point, if not on a podcast. Maybe it was on the phone when I was chatting with you. I, I, I When Monster first came out, I was kind of not sure about it. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, I was a big fan of Sonic Boom. I can now honestly tell you, and I told this to to Tommy in the interview that I did with him, that, that I, I think I, I, I like Monster. I definitely like Monster better than Sonic Boom. And I think it's just a great right. record. And uh, what's, what's your feeling on Monster at this point after listening for it to it for, for what, like four months at this point? Yeah, uh, I actually had the the opposite reaction. You know, I I listened to Sonic Boom and I was like, eh, you know, there are some really cool songs on it, but I felt that, especially with the Gene songs, they weren't sort of up to par with with some of the the other tracks on there. But I said from the start, if this is the first stepping stone to what's coming next out of Kiss, I'm all for it, you know, and I think Monster really 
Well, went far and above what I expected. Um, I know a lot of people in hindsight are saying they should have had a producer, they should have had this, they should have had that. I think the album sounds fine the way it is. Gene has this like gritty bass tone, uh, almost Lemmy-ish. The song Shout Mercy, which I absolutely love off of that, right. reminds me of, of some stuff that Motorhead has done in the past. And And I think that overall, outside of maybe two tracks that I'm not very fond of, I think the rest of the album is really good and quite possibly one of the best albums that they've released. I mean, if if... If you include some of the work that they've done in the 80s, if we go all the way back to, say, like a Creatures of the Night, I mean, I, I would hold Monster up there with um, definitely a Revenge, um, th- things things along those lines. I mean, is it the best thing they've released? No, but taking into consideration where the band is at, as you're saying, in the twilight of their career, taking into consideration some of the other stuff they've released, I think it's a very strong output uh, from them, and I mean, I'm looking forward to um, to them releasing a, additional uh, music, and and hopefully, you know, I'm sure they've they still have, you know, things that they still haven't, you know, uh, released in in the in the box set that they released a few years back. Uh, I'm saying a few years back, it's almost ten years now, I believe. But I'm sure there there are more tracks out there that uh, that they could release, and and who knows. Um, Eddie and Alex Van Halen seem to be in great moods now. Maybe they, they can finally uh, release the demos that they did with Gene, the uh, Calling Dr. Love and a few other tracks that they recorded around that era. That would be awesome, and I know a lot of people would love to hear those. I Yeah, I definitely get the vibe that it's the Van Halen camp that has prevented those from being released. I don't know if Gene has ever yeah. gone on record as saying that, but I think he has, actually. But, uh, yeah, Gene Simmons, if you don't know, discovered Van Halen, one of the first people to kind of take them under their, under his wing. Um, back when he was a superstar in the 70s already with Kiss, he took, uh, took Van Halen into the studio and demoed some, some songs with them and even, I guess, did some playing with, with them. There's rumors there's even versions of Kiss songs with Alex and Eddie playing on them, right? Yeah. Yeah, the rumor is calling Doctor Love, and um, and I don't know if Ladies' Room was another one, but it was, and I might be getting my albums mixed up there. But um, if I'm not mistaken, it was around the uh, Rock and Roll Over uh, time period, so around '76, if I'm not mistaken. Cool. Um, and apparently, the whole deal there is that um, uh, he wanted to um, sort of sell them to Casablanca. And apparently Casablanca said, well, we've already got another band that looks a lot like them. And they they didn't think that, uh, you know, that they were doing anything. What band was that? More than, uh, I believe it, it's Black Oak, Arkansas or something oh, like that. Okay. Or a, a band that Tommy Aldridge was originally in. Right, right. Um, so, Which Ozzy was I a mean, big fan of that band, I know, Black Oak, Arkansas. Because that was one of the reasons he sought out um, Tommy. He had... He had seen Tommy play with that band, and I don't know if he right. was a big fan of the band, but he was a fan of Tommy Aldridge's work or drumming with that sure. band. Yeah. Speaking of Ozzy, let's uh, let's come back and talk a little bit about Black Sabbath. And as a fellow podcaster, I wanted to talk to you uh, a little bit about just podcasting in general. Sure. 
So let's uh, conquer those two subjects. But if you don't mind, Victor, I'd love to get into a little music right now. This is okay. uh, a guy who I'm friends with on Facebook, Tom Wallace, who Martin Popoff, another friend of mine on Facebook, uh, had commented that Tom was a great drummer and uh, I just randomly friended Tom, which I don't do a lot of random friend requests on Facebook. Right. You're welcome to, uh, you guys, you listeners out there are welcome to send me a request. I'm at facebook.com slash mstriegel. But anyways, uh, Tom and I became uh, friends on Facebook, and, and, and we've shared some conversations together in that forum. He ended up sending me his CD, which is just great. Uh, the band is symbolic, and I would call them kind okay. of progressive heavy metal. They're from San Diego, California. And mm -hmm. let's check a little of their music out right now.
Sun and moon, I'll take them down for you. A little something for my gratitude. I am holding her right in my arms. I've been blinded by the morning star. you just heard was a song called Morning Star by a band called Mustache. Are you familiar with Mustache, Victor? I actually am, and I would actually have to attribute that to uh, Mr. Uh, Eric uh, Bones of Steel. Right. Is yeah. that his name? Yeah, yeah, a friend of, <laughs> a friend of mine. We're actually going to see Udo uh, play on the 10th, Eric and I. I haven't seen Eric in a while. But yes, right. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he introduced me to Mustache. Actually, the first time uh, we hooked up in person, uh, we met there at Bionic, and um, 
and he gave me a CD that had different tracks that you guys had played that night, and on there was Mustache, and I remember uh, he described them as, um, he thought that they were like a newer version of the cult, and said that they were the perfect band to just uh, crank in your car and just drive. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, they have a new record out, uh, and that song that we just heard, Morning Star, comes off of that record, which is called Sounds Like Hell, Looks Like Heaven. So definitely check those guys out. Before Mustache, we heard from Tom Wallace and his band Symbolic, Welcome to the Soulless World. Good stuff, Tom. Thanks for sending me that CD. And thanks to Victor from Mars Attacks for joining me here on Talking Metal, and I am joining him on Mars Attacks. It's a dual Mars Attacks Talking Metal episode. Victor, I wanted to get your opinion. There is a new Black Sabbath record on the way. Rick Rubin in the studio with them. The album, first off, the album's called 13. I'm confused as to what that means. I mean, 13 is a scary, unlucky number, but... It's not the 13th Black Sabbath record. It's not the, as far as my counting goes, it's not the 13th record with Ozzy in Black Sabbath. Do you have any idea why it's called 13? I believe it is because we are in 2013. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that would make sense. That would make sense. But it's a little... <laughs> that, that's the... It's a little confusing. That's the only thing that, um, that that I sort of got out of watching this one video that they were sort of undecided on the on the actual title. Ah. And they said something to the extent of uh, someone had written down Black Sabbath 2013, and then they were like, sort of what you said, huh? 13 and unlucky number. Well, we'll we'll go with that for now, and then we'll see, you know, if we change it or not in the end. But. Um, uh, looks like it's going to be 13 from everything that they've said, uh, although we know as being big fans of Ozzy that Ozzy's always uh, played with album titles here and there, and then you know the, the album may not end up being what they originally said, or maybe you know uh, what, they, what they said two or three times before the album came out, but we'll see for now, as you mentioned, 13. Yeah, and definitely it's an interesting point in history for all all these guys, Ozzy, Tony, Geezer, and uh, even Bill Ward, who's not involved in the, the album. I mean, we saw Sabbath get back together, the original Sabbath lineup get back together, you know, first without Bill Ward, and then Bill Ward joined, and they, they did that uh, concert in, in Birmingham, which was released on, on CD, the reunion CD, that is, which was uh, kind of uh, a definitive lineup, finally getting back together with, with Bill Ward included, which is a fun list in that record. And that record actually included two new songs, which uh, I heard they actually had three new songs, but they only put two on the record. Um, right. And uh, I don't know, those those songs were okay at best, I think. And, and I believe mm -hmm. that maybe Ozzy felt that same way. Uh, from what I understand, the songs were pretty much solely pro produced and, and written, or at least written and, and arranged and, and by Tony and Ozzy. Geezer wasn't really involved very much in those songs. And I, I don't even think Bill plays on one of the songs, if I remember correctly. No. The, the, the thing with this whole reunion, though, I know a lot of people are, you know, are... Or it actually isn't a reunion because, you know, Bill isn't there. So it's, uh, you know, three quarters of the lineup. But 
Uh, I'll say this. Bill was one of my all-time favorite drummers. Um, Whenever there were any discussions as to, you know, who was your favorite drummer of the 70s, it was always Bill Ward, Peter Chris, and John Bonham for me. Definitely, yeah. Um, You know, but similar to Peter Chris and similar to what you've heard me say with with Peter Chris uh, in other podcasts, these guys wear down, you know, um, it's either genetics or it's, you know, living the good life all those years. But, you know, let's face it, Bill doesn't even play on his own solo albums, you know, on um, on the one album uh, that Ozzy guested on and Zach Wilde guested on. Eric Singer played a lot of the drums on that. Yeah. Uh, the solo album that he released a few years ago, he had a different drummer on that. So. You know, if he if he's not even confident in his own playing for his own albums, then you know I don't understand why people are up in arms about him not being involved. I mean, I don't think it's a money, um, you know, I don't think it's a money issue where I think everyone is saying, well, you know, it's Sharon or whatnot. But I just think it comes down to, you know, the band realizing, you know what, um, we have this limited space of time to record. If we get in there with Bill. Are we going to be done in the next five years? You know, let, let's not forget they started to record an album and they dropped all the material because they just couldn't get it done. Yeah, now that and, was back. That was that was a while back, right? I mean, what, Rick yeah. Rubin was brought into the picture like when? Like the 90s, right? Like didn't they talk yeah. to Rick Rubin? Like remember when they did that? There was that, that gig where, you know, it was after the Dehumanizer album had come mm-hmm. out and there was that gig that, you know, they were opening for Ozzy or something and, yeah. and Dio freaked out and Halford filled in and uh, then they went up and did four songs or something with Ozzy. I mean, and, and I think Bill Ward was in the picture then too for those, yeah. uh, those songs. I mean, wasn't there talk of an album at that point with Rick Rubin possibly producing or maybe shortly after yeah. it? I mean, I think the, that... The, yeah, there absolutely was. And the next thing that we heard was... The next thing we heard was Tony Martin, Tony Iommi, Geezer Butler, and Bobby Rondinelli with the Cross Purposes album. Yeah, right. Um, so that sort of all fell by the wayside at that point in time. Uh, I don't believe that they actually sat down and recorded anything. And, and at that time, um, Ozzy was going to record with Rick Rubin and things didn't work out either. That was after No More Tears. So that's for the um, Osmosis album, if I'm not mistaken. And they got back together with him after that reunion uh, concert that you just mentioned uh, a moment ago. They they worked with Rick Rubin at that time, worked up like five or six songs, and they just said that they weren't up to snuff, and, and they each went their separate ways. Yeah. Um, and, you know, before, let's see, they did the uh, the reunion of Ozzy, Geezer, and Tony took place on, like, OzFest 97 right. or something. And what's interesting with that is Bill Ward wasn't involved with that, but Geezer... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Or, but Bill Ward was involved in touring with Tony and Geezer and Tony Martin shortly before that. And I always wondered. I mean, there was a small stretch, and I don't, right. I don't have the exact info in front of me right now. But I know that it, I believe some point, possibly on the Forbidden tour, 
Bill Ward ended up back in the band briefly for like a South American tour or some yeah. short tour. And it was always Th- that's thought That's exactly it. It was it was South America. Yeah, it was always thought that maybe Tony had had told Ozzy, "Hey, Bill's just not up to it after doing that tour." And that's why they brought in Mike to uh play those initial reunion dates with Black Sabbath. Now, having said right. that, I I hear what you're saying earlier about maybe his playing just isn't up up to par for the reunion. And I originally thought that, but now I'm wondering if it actually was a money issue. I, I, because I, when, when they did the reunion record, they mm-hmm. originally were having money issue discussions with Bill. And okay. there, was, there were problems. And there's a story in Martin Popoff's Black Sabbath fact book that basically says that, okay, Bill was going to play that reunion show in Birmingham with them, but he was, I guess due to money issues, saying that they would have to remove his parts from the live record, which they were actually considering doing and having like Vinny or possibly Cozy Powell redo his parts in a studio setting and the producer were one of the, I think it was one of the engineers or the producer said, this is going to be virtually impossible to do this because, you know, right. in a live setting stuff is bleeding through and, and there's, unless he plays every note exactly like Bill Ward did, which again is virtually yeah. impossible. There's no way to <laughs> do it. And he basically, this producer guy, I forget his name, but he basically convinced Bill, Hey, you know, just let it go. Let, let whatever, issues you have go and just agree to be on the record, which he did. So having said that, there's been problems with Bill all all along and I, I you know, getting involved and in the mix. And I do believe that his playing isn't nearly what it once was. And like you said, those those three drummers you mentioned, Peter Chris, John Bonham and, and Bill Ward, I mean in the seventies, the thing that's amazing, if you watch footage of them, uh, the, the, the physical amount of energy that goes into their playing. I mean, how could somebody in their fifties or sixties have that energy that these guys had in their twenties, you know, or or early thirties for that matter? You know, it's just, it's just, I I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do think there's some people that maybe could, could still have that energy, but, uh, I, I do think that, that it's tough the older you get to sure. to uh still have that physical presence behind the kit. But again, my my guess is that that Bill Ward probably wanted more money to be involved in mm-hmm. this reunion and I, I so I do think that that is is a, is probably what happened, but I do also think that the fact that the guy just can't play. I mean, I saw Sabbath numerous times when they reunited with him, and I must say that that he did get better as as the years went on. Um, but I remember seeing them for the first time with him out at I think Meadowlands in Jersey, and just really kind of scratching my head and, and realizing that there was just a lack of energy coming from the kit. And I know a lot of people will crucify me for saying that. But he did improve <laughs> as, as things went on. And on later OzFest dates, I actually did think he was uh, a little better. But, yeah, he doesn't have what he once had behind the kit. But I, right. I, I still think that there was probably money issues involved. And, and I don't know. We still don't know. No one's really come out and said either way what, 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 has, what went wrong with those negotiations with Bill Ward and why he is not involved. Have we heard that from right. anybody? 
No, I mean, he's he stated money. Uh, the band has sort of, you know, said that they didn't want to talk about the issue, that it was, you know, somewhat personal. And the only thing that they rid, really did do was pretty much say, hey, you know, this isn't a sharing deal. We, we actually have, you know, four different managers involved. So it has nothing to do with, uh, with Sharon, and she's only like, you know, uh, a quarter of, has a quarter of the input uh, with regards to the band. So right. um, who who knows if they'll ever, uh, you know, divulge that information. And, and in the end, you know, uh, as I've said a lot of times on my show, this, a lot of this comes down to relationships as well. Yeah, you know, Maybe definitely. some of these guys really can't, you know, stomach one another after, X amount of years, who knows? Maybe it really is that Bill said, you know what, if, if I have to deal with these guys for, you know, the, the, the next 500 days, then I need this much money, you know? Yeah. So uh, so who knows? You know, ho hopefully one day, you know, or hopefully at least uh, Martin Popoff will be able to uh, pry some information from uh, someone on the inside and, and will actually know what took place. Yeah, I mean, I do think, think one thing Martin Popoff said was that it's a shame Bill isn't involved. Not, not. I mean, he didn't say this exactly, but uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said. But uh, right. because because his his songwriting has has been really strong on his solo right. records that he's released, you know, over the past 20 years at this point, those two solo records contain some really great songwriting on them and uh it's a shame that bill isn't involved at the you know as a songwriter uh martin didn't mm -hmm. say anything about bill's drumming I, I don't know what his opinions are on on that but uh yeah so anyways uh let's right now go back to the beginning this is the first song that the world ever heard by black sabbath it's called evil woman
Okay, there we have a little evil woman from Black Sabbath, as Mark said, the first thing that anyone ever heard by the band. Yes, and they definitely got heavier after that. I mean, I, I, I do. That was a cover, actually, that song. But that is the uh, the first single by the band that was included on the Black Sabbath album, self-titled first record in Europe, but not in America. So um, it is actually on uh, one of those greatest hits, digitally remastered uh, album packages that they put out a number of years back. It's really frustrating that you can't get the Aussie era Black Sabbath stuff on iTunes or on Spotify, and I, I don't know why that is. Do you any ideas? That's all Warner Brothers. Yeah, Warner Brothers. Yeah, it's just it's it's very odd, very odd. It, it is. Uh, I saw recently with Def Leppard is is similar. They don't want to. Um, I guess the deal they want to give the band is is pretty inferior to what they want to sell their music digitally. So they're going back and and re-recording um, some of their classic tracks and releasing those on iTunes. But you know, in the end, it, it you could you know, lightning is only going to strike. Once, you know, you're only going to get that perfect storm once. So it's very difficult to recapture every single nuance so that you can't, you know, really tell that it was re-recorded. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, that, that, be... that re-recording stuff is fucking bullshit, man. I mean, the Scorpions did that. I mean, there was yeah. a guy who is actually a listener of Talking Metal who worked on this movie Rock of Ages, and he was talking about how when right. they approached the Scorpions to to use their music, they were trying to sell them this these new versions. I, and and I, I just you know, it's it's you can maybe get close in re-recording this stuff, but it's it's never going right. to be the same. It's like you right. don't touch that stuff. I mean, uh, that's a whole other topic. I mean, I think even. I mean, you know, going back and trying to recapture that magic is is virtually, I think, impossible. Going back and f- fucking with the magic like Dave Mustaine did with his, you know, 80s stuff yeah. and, and actually going back and re-recording parts and remixing and actually making those heavy records that Megadeth put out in the 80s less heavy, in my opinion, uh, is another mistake. But that's a whole other topic maybe we, we, we'll get into on another <laughs> podcast. Sure. Uh, speaking of podcasting, Mars Attacks was was gone for a while. Um, right. Let's talk about that. You you weren't posting a podcast, and there was a you know uh, a point in time where I was kind of scratching my head, thinking, "Will there ever be another Mars Attacks podcast?" But you are back now with with some new yes. episodes. And what was going on in the in the break? I know you had a pretty major, significant thing happen in your life with the birth of sure. a son, right? Second son. Yeah, it was birth of my second son. Uh, as, as you know, uh, having two young kids under the age of two is uh, is a handful. <laughs> um, had that, had um, issues with work, and uh, and started uh, uh, work on a house that we've owned for quite a few years, and uh, just doing all the paperwork and everything else that I had to do with that. I said, you know what, instead of doing a bunch of half-ass shows, um, which, you know, at best, maybe you can consider my shows to be half-ass, so um, let me just put it off to the side. Uh, Let me sort of set a date and say, okay, I'll be back by this time, And, and that date was always getting pushed back, and, you know, it was sort of do or die. I have to, you know, put an episode out. I have to put an episode out, and I did. I put it out, and... 
I've got, um, I'm back to uh, interviewing a bunch of people. I have uh, uh, quite a few interviews in the can that I've done over the course of the last week and a half uh, and other stuff that I had um, saved up and, and there will be uh, uh, a weekly episode from, from here on out for the foreseeable future anyway. Okay, so, good. Good. It's a lot of work, you know, podcasting. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, I know. I think sometimes the listeners, uh, some of them get it that it is a lot of work. Others tend to, you know, from what I read on on blogs and message boards and stuff, think that what we do is just so easy. And why can't we do yeah. more? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? <laughs> and uh, it, it, it takes effort, as any of these podcasters know. Yeah. I know now you're one thing I wanted to ask you about is you're involved in like a group of podcasts. Um, you might actually even need to plug them or something. Isn't that required? Sure. Um, sure. Now it's Iron Cities podcast, right? And uh, it's well, like an app or something. Well, sure. It actually started out by um, John Kadick of Iron City Rock sort of a- approached me. He said, you know, I'm putting together this network of podcasts. Uh, we're calling it the Cast Iron Ring uh, we're big fans of your show, you know, would you want to be involved? And, and I thought, all right, cool. You know, why not? It's just a way to, um, uh, sort of cross promote with, uh, other shows. There are some, uh, other cool shows on there as well. Um, which you can find out on, uh, um, castironring.com. But, um, you know, and as, as time has gone by, there've been other people that have sort of approached us and, and stuff and, you know, I've, I've sort of actually been somewhat firm in, and if anyone wants to uh, say, you know, anyone's been a dick or whatever about not accepting other people to come on, it it actually has been me that sort of um, poo-pooed some of these other shows because, you know, with the advent of the internet, and this, this applies to me as well, you know, everyone has a voice um, and everyone thinks it's easy, it's easy as, as you're saying, but I think there are very few people out there that actually um, have the ability to determine whether what they're doing is of quality or not. You, you do need to spend a little money to have, you know, a decent setup so that it does sound a little professional. And I'm not saying that I sound, you know, hundred percent professional, but I do think that if you listen to other shows, there is a big difference and there are going to be people that say what I do is shit. And, you know, I'm, I'm fully aware of that. And, and I have no problem with that. You know, everyone's, entitled to their opinion but i do think that you know there there seems to have been a boom in the last two to three years where you know everyone thinks that they can do this and yeah you know there 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 are a lot of factors as you're saying there's a lot of work there's a lot of commitment involved you have to deal with uh, you know rejection a lot with people not allowing you to interview their artists or not thinking that you're ready. Um, you have to pursue artists. You know, there are certain artists that I've pursued for over a year and got them. There are others that I've pursued for more than that and still haven't spoken to them. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's like the artist thing. I mean, this is a, we're going to have to actually get into this on another show since, because I have to sure. start working about five minutes, but there, there's so much yeah. to talk about. Why don't we actually devote a whole show to just talking about podcasting in general, yeah. uh, maybe next week or something. But I mean, the artist thing you mentioned, it's like, there's so many podcasts out there. And I'm talking just about hard rock, heavy metal podcasts that it's like, Right. I mean, how many podcasts do I have to hear Bruce Kulik on? I mean, that's it's like at this point, 
I, I can't I, I can't bear to to listen to another and I, I love Bruce, but it's just like I feel like there's there's overexposure. And it's like even like yeah. we just had Saxon on uh, our last podcast and I hooked up with him in New York. I always prefer doing these interviews in person for a number of reasons that generally just they sound better and I don't have uh, good access to uh, record these interviews on the phone anymore um, without having to spend my own money. But that's a whole nother story. But anyway, Saxon, I interviewed them, but they'd already been on, not only were they on Eddie Trunk the week before on Sirius, but you know, they were on like, you know, six other different podcasts. And it's just like, I just feel like, no one cares. No, no one. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I love Saxon. We care about Biff, but no one wants to hear six interviews with with Biff. You know, it's like right, exactly. Um, and I just feel like <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm I'm just rethinking everything at this point as far as podcasting goes. I mean, we got in Talking Metal got in in 2005 mm-hmm. when everybody thought podcasting was going to be you know the next radio. Uh, I, I really feel like Adam Curry, you know, he in, invested millions, possibly millions of dollars into it, um, and it didn't really go anywhere. Now, I feel like within the last couple years, there's been kind of, uh, like you mentioned, and I'm not talking about just heavy metal, hard rock podcasts, just podcasting in general. There's kind of been a yeah. second wave of excitement about podcasting. And I think Adam Carolla's podcasting network, where he's just going all in. And a lot of these comedy guys, you know, Mark Marin and, and Duncan Trussell and stuff are, are, are doing well with their podcast and, and going all in. I don't know how much money they're making podcasting. I don't think that much. I mean, Mark Marin... Uh, you know, he does a podcast out of his garage in California and he gets stars on, but I don't think he made any money off the actual podcast. Very little actually. And, you know, now he's doing a show actually where I work that's about him doing his podcast. And I think that's what he's making the money off of, you know? Um, and let's, let's face it. We all want to make some money doing what we love, but I I just don't, I, I don't know. I mean, even Eddie Trunk, because, you know, I think a lot of us podcasters are like, maybe if we do this well enough and long enough, Sirius will come to us and offer us a show. But, you know, I listened right. to Eddie Trunk on Sirius, and he did it again last mon- Monday. He just he made a point at saying, I make hardly any money doing this, he said yeah. on Sirius. And, and uh, you know, Howard Stern's making millions of dollars, but we know... Eddie Trunk is is not making that much money, or so he claims on Sirius. I mean, I don't know what they pay him to do his show. I can't it probably fifty grand a year, maybe thirty grand a year. But then he he goes and he does these appearances, like he goes and does the Ship Rock, uh, or not Ship Rock, uh, Monsters of Rock cruise, and they probably pay him five, six, maybe even ten grand to go host the Monsters right. of Rock weekend on the boat. And I think that's where mm-hmm. he's making his money. But, you know, so I don't know. It's all, And I know there's some people now that are listening saying, oh, this is bullshit. You should be doing it because you love it. And listen, we are. But do, do <laughs> right. we aspire to be something more than just, you know, you know, podcasters? And, you know, we John and I got a little taste of, of making money when we did the Fuse show. I mean, they paid us pretty well for the amount of work, actually really well for the amount of work we did for them. But. As far as making money just off the podcast or the dream of, of turning it into something bigger than it is, I don't know. I'm just kind of frustrated with uh, the whole state of podcasting lately. Um, 
I think what the Iron City guys are doing and you're doing with them is 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 interesting. Uh, I do the one thing. I like that you've kept your RSSs separate on iTunes, mm-hmm. um, whereas I know Metal Injection, the one problem I always had with them on iTunes is, you know, they do a podcasting ring like that, too. But when you sign up, you get all these different podcasts hitting you over the same feed, which I don't like, um, right. you know, because I might like Mars Attacks, but I might not like one of the other Iron City podcasts, you know, so I don't wanna, I want right. that hitting my feed. But I do like the idea of the app which like Corolla does and this forcecats.net actually does, which is Star Wars related podcasts where you can get all those podcasts. And maybe that's what the Iron City app does. I don't know. Um, I suggest. Yeah, they they actually have their own app, which is Iron City Rocks app. Right. Then, yeah, they have the Cast Iron Ring one that it pretty much just lists every show that's involved, gives you links to... Uh, the iTunes feed, um, so that you could sign up right from there. But you can't listen to, to the shows Twitter. on the app, or can you? You can listen to the shows on the app. Um, no, you have to. You no. still have to use the podcasting feature um, within, at least within the iPhone. Um, Which, like, what bounces you over to the podcasting app? Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it yeah. does. That sounds like I don't know. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't invest money. See, I'm thinking, basically, that sounds kind of lame to me. I wouldn't invest money in an app unless you're going to be able to listen to the shows on on the app itself, which, knowing how frustrated people are with the actual podcasting app that's on the iPhone, I don't know. Part of me is wondering, do I do a Talking Metal app? Do I do like a, go back to Mark Striegel Radio, do an app, and you know, where I'm feeding a bunch of different podcasts out, including Talking Metal and Mark Striegel Radio Show and wh- whoever else, you know, wants to do a show for it. I don't know. I'm just, like, mixed up as to where podcasting's going and uh, what the future is in podcasting. And, and for even, I mean, I hate to say it, but even for Talking Metal, I mean, it's... Uh, where, where, do I, where do I go with Talking Metal at this point? Do I just keep doing it because I like doing it even though there's other things I like doing too or is it you know if I can't get it to the next level when 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 do I do I ever give it up or do I kind of just keep it there and and keep it going these are all questions I'm kind of just dealing with personally right now yeah I mean where where do you where do you want to go with Mars attacks where you just I mean the first thing that I always thought when when I first started doing the um the first show, you know, when you sort of first gave me that kick in the ass to start to do it was, well, if this ever becomes a chore, I no longer want to do it. You know, I have no problem putting time into it and whatnot, but I don't ever want it to get to a point where it's, uh, I have to interview who now, uh, you know, I, I don't dig so-and-so's music, but I have to play that. Yeah. I'm in a situation with that right now with a, with an artist, uh, that Gibson guitarist wants me to interview. And it's like, I don't even freaking know the band that much. And I don't like the band that much, you know, but yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I mean, and and that was sort of when I was away, there was always doubt in my mind, you know, do I continue this? You know, is, is there an audience, you know, am I still having fun with this? Um, and fully knowing exactly what you mentioned with Eddie Trunk. I've listened to Eddie Trunk since I was 13 years old and hearing him say, Hey, you know, I'm working four different jobs and I'm, you know, barely scraping by. So I've 
always pretty much sort of thought that, you know, it'd be almost impossible for me to, 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 to see any type of uh, monetary return, but who knows, you know, yeah. as you're saying, uh, stranger things have happened. Right, but right. Uh, again, you know, as long as it's fun, as long as I can, you know, I think bring interesting shows to people and, you know, do some decent interviews, then, you know, I'll, I'll continue to do it. Um, I've never, um, and this I think is the mistake that a lot of people make is to say, oh, well, you know what, I'm going to do something better than talking metal. You know, I've never thought, no, you know, I'm not going to sit here and compete with you guys, A, because, I mean, obviously I think you guys are on a different level than I am, but I think there are so many other things that people can bring to the table that there's no reason why, you know, people can't listen to talking metal and listen to Mars attacks and take different things away from each show. What sucks is that. Yeah, well, that's the other thing I have issues with. I just don't have time to listen to all these other shows. Yeah, but I'm with you. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of time, man, let's continue this uh, conversation in another episode because I actually have to jump on to, uh, to work, uh, real work. That is the way I pay my bills. So, uh, Visit TalkingMetal.com. We'd appreciate a, a, pay, a PayPal donation if you have any spare change lying around or you want to buy a T-shirt. And also visit, what is it, MarsAttacksPodcast.com? MarsAttacksRadio.com. And, and I will say that I am actually wearing a Talking Metal T-shirt right now. Excellent. So. There you go. Cool. <laughs> All right, Victor. Let's catch up soon. Let's uh, maybe play another Sabbath tune to take us out. What do you want to hear? Uh, super not.
How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.